0: then really is nowhere quite like Brockle Park Lido in high summer. It's like the whole world is there in miniature. Eight months to 80 years, first black man to swim the channel to the palest of East European migrants, gay and straight, silicon and sagging, trim and jowly, all claiming a bit for themselves. Steve, who was moving from one to the other of those last two categories, almost always staked out a corner by the calf, north by northwest as he would describe it. From there, he could meet his friends, watch the pool, and chat with his many acquaintances. He waved over as a girl emerged from the water with a glamorous ease and confidence that made him think of the old Hollywood and the spectacular beauties of the past. Jenny, he called across. What's your secret? The woman stopped. looked flustered for a moment, then said, My what? Your secret. I've been watching you in the water, and you move with such grace. (laughs) I knew you'd been watching. I don't think it's a secret though, just born to it I guess. Jenny really was quite a beauty, fit and muscular. 5'7", auburn hair, a dreamy way of moving that made her present yet absent somehow. Her body had a changeable quality as from week to week her breasts grew and shrank noticeably as if responding to some massive internal tide and her eyes as well had an aquatic quality. Her skin tones went through an array of colours a symphony of olives and browns to greenish-white in winter, making her background hard to fathom. Mediterranean, South American, Argentine, Irish. truth was, Jenny was a local girl. Her family had been in the area for generations, on and off. Now, Brixton being what it was, her exotic looks fitted in perfectly. It amused her to think that if some of the people around her had any kind of a memory, they might recall Jenny from primary school. Jenny with the bad teeth who smelled of fish and had disappeared before her teenage years. She and her mother had moved just before her 12th birthday to a cottage with a sea view, Walton on the knees. Jenny's exile was longer than anticipated. When she grew up, although her mother went back to London, Jenny travelled, only returning in the month before her mother's death. During that time, she roamed the isolated spots and island nations, seeking out her extended family. It was nearly two decades before her own homecoming to the London house at what was locally known as poet's corner. Theirs was one of the older dwellings, a former coach house with stables, long since converted. Not too far from where the family home for centuries had once stood, that home and the pond nearby had been largely obliterated when Brockwell Park was created. Jenny was keen on history, both her own families and that of her race as a whole. In most books, her people were portrayed as seafaring, But a close inspection of the map of the UK revealed them settling inland in Derbyshire, Norfolk, Scotland and Shropshire. Proximity to water was the key. Jenny's mother told her how their ancestors had seen the first Queen Elizabeth sail up the river Ephra to visit Walter Raleigh at Loughborough. Life must have been easier in the past, thought Jenny, with the rolling Surrey farmland to move through and the Ephra to move in. This would have been before the huge expansion of the city in her great-grandmother's time. As the houses swallowed the farmland, the park at Brockwell was created as a green space and the old waters were converted first into a swimming pool, then into a series of duck ponds. By Jenny's time, the Leidel was well established and she thought it a fantastic bonus to the neighbourhood, though her mother rarely used it, preferring instead the tiny pool in the old stables of their home. Jenny had once believed that her mother's dread of going out, particularly after dark, was because of her sheltered upbringing, or shyness of the lively multitude. It never occurred to her that she might one day suffer the same perder. Now, as an adult, she understood why the Lido's lack of privacy had distressed her cautious mother. But for Jenny, it was still bliss in the long summer days to sit on the and woods around, or dip in the water all day if she cared to, chatting as she chose, sunglasses on, and book held on shut out, if not. Most of the other swimmers barely bothered her. After all, there were plenty of stranger fish for them to observe. She'd quickly grasped the pool's stratification system, its family end, the gay section, the teenage bit, the couples, and the singles. Jenny nearly always headed for the border between the couples and the singles, and, though friendly, she didn't encourage intimacy. This was another delight of the lighter. she always thought. You could be anyone, convivial or solitary, as you chose. She usually settled not too far from Steve and his friends, most of whom she knew by sight rather than name, and they kept an eye on her things when she was in the pool. Her shape and looks did sometimes attract admirers, both welcome and unwelcome, but she was very careful about who she got close to. She was quite fond of Steve and his often preposterous stories. Uh, though his attentions were flattering, they were never heavily pressed. Mostly, when people asked her what she did, she would reply, this and that. And they would see whatever they liked. Many others who went to the Lido clearly didn't hold down ordinary jobs, otherwise what were they doing sunning themselves during the 9 to 5? A distinct minority, on hearing her name, GT Jenny or Jenny GT, presumed she was a disc jockey. Some mistranslated it to Jenny Gt, which further suggested someone foreign-born, or at least with overseas roots. Another aspect of the line of regulars that Jenny enjoyed was that they only heard what they wanted to hear. If they liked you, and many of them were kindly, if somewhat self-absorbed, they'd be quite prepared to believe the best about you. There was certainly no discrimination against foreigners or outsiders, except North Londoners, of course, who were regarded as an alien species. As she left, she heard Steve say, Always home before dark, that one. Strange, eh? and some girl he was talking to respond with, maybe she has a madly jealous husband who gets home from work at that time. There was no husband, madly jealous or otherwise waiting for Jenny, nor was there anyone else. And Jenny was beginning to find this frustrating, both the loneliness and her stifled existence in London. There was one obvious solution to this, and her recent broodiness, but that threw up other difficulties and Jenny was starting to consider where a child of her own might be happiest and concluded, it might be away from the city. When it came to conceiving a child, being single and yet having very particular needs, presented Jenny with some problems, but there was one obvious candidate for the father, Steve. However bizarre his schemes, however strange his boasting and travels and the documentaries he made about the oddest aspects of human behaviour, she suspected the proposal she had in mind might be a little too extreme, even for him. Steve might be intrigued by the idea, she thought, but would surely try to turn it into some sort of film, and that would never do. Jenny had to have secrecy, so if she wanted a child of her own, she'd have to proceed carefully. Whatever particular schedule Steve ran to ensured that he wasn't at the Lido for a couple of weeks, which allowed Jenny time to finalise her plan and overcome any feelings of guilt about Steve. She was fond of him, and he would be a great father, despite what he thought. But this was a matter of genetics, with little room for sentiment. When Steve appeared the next day, she settled very close to him, and waited. Hi Jenny, how How you been? been? Missed me, have you? Hmm, I'm not sure missed is the word, she smiled, twirling her sunglasses in her mouth. But your absence has been noted. Been away somewhere good. America. Going back in a week or so. It's very hot for an idea of mine. He laughed at his own choice of words, looked her and said, Hey, kid, want to be in the movies? Ah, uh, maybe, but I'm not sure about the casting couch, Jenny smiled shyly. On which, I could use someone's help to move some furniture in my house. So I'm selling some of my mother's old stuff and I just wanted to get it downstairs first. She appeared primly over the top of her sunglasses and now perched on her nose. So are you free this evening or do we need to call your agent? Steve was delighted at the invitation and, even though he was supposed to call any number of people, decided they could wait. Shifting the chairs and sofas downstairs was hot work, and when they'd finished, Jenny suggested a swim. You've got your own pool here. Do you bother putting up with the roughnecks at the Lido? Some of the Scallywags can be quite attractive, and the pool here isn't all that spacious. Quite intimate, in fact. When he saw the small stretch of water in the stables, his face fell, but she knew how to overcome his doubts. That was simple and genetic, a formula as old as legend, she merely slipped into the water and started to sing. Once immersed, Jenny's legs fused into the more comfortable shape of a tail. The rest of it was glistening above the water, pleading with him through a song to join her. The ancient haunting verse made Steve forget his dance and made him forget everything. As mesmerized, he stripped off quickly, leapt into the green tar with its hidden depths. Once in the pool, he was, of course, doomed. It didn't matter how swiftly he could traverse the line of 50 metres. Here, he was held fast, trapped against her. Her kisses and caresses acted as an an aesthetic to the powerful grip of her pelvis, which sucked and tugged and eventually ripped the sack from between his thighs. His blood and semen mixed with her eggs and were quickly trapped in a bubble as she dragged her body into the depths and anchored it together with the corpses, now bones, of her father. When he was secured, she kissed his lips, pushed the bubble gently into her womb and floated to the surface, pondering her next move. She'd already settled on her plan, but how swiftly to proceed? Her own daughter would be waterborne, she decided, and would live amongst her own kind, or at least in an isolated spot, if such a place could be found. Here, fate had been kind to her. Property prices were at record levels in Brixton, and the house realised a small fortune, Enough for Jenny to move to an island far away and ensure the kind of freedom for herself and her daughter. Her emotions on leaving South london this time she thought forever, were mixed. She felt a little sad and somewhat irresponsible about abandoning the ancestral home to new owners. But she was determined and, although the shiny new condition of Brixton meant that any more riots were unlikely, something of its traditional otherness was also disappearing. And if there was more trouble, what on earth would happen if someone found her floundering amongst the fighting and the looting on the flaming streets her tail flapping thought of where she might end up terrified her she'd been to london zoo and that lamentable fish prison the aquarium at county hall she didn't like the idea of either of those now also there was her child to consider she was determined that her daughter would live a more peaceful life than her own had been when, some months after the incident with Steve, Jenny boarded the flight, people marvelled and made space for the radiant beauty, who was obviously carrying a little secret. On overhearing her name, a fellow passenger had asked, Is that Chete or Chete?" Neither. It's Chite. It stands for Green Teeth. It's an old English name. She flashed him a bright smile. There had been great advances in dentistry over the decades, and Jenny had invested heavily.